concept for EPAR trade is basically, in my opinion, there's a big hole in the internet. So the internet started many years ago, but there's never been an online business community for racers on the World Wide Web. The need for EPAR trade is actually quite obvious. Basically, people in the business of auto racing need a place online to hang out and get their problems solved. It's extremely simple for a buyer or for a supplier to interact on the platform. The first thing you need to do is sign in, which is free. And the second thing is when you see a product that you're interested in, all you need to do is click on request more information. If it's a company, you click on request more information. And then from there, it is forwarded directly to the buyer or to the supplier. You can go to epartrade.com, you become part of a community of businesses in racing and it makes uh, sourcing products much easier than just on the internet or using Google. At epartrade there is no e-commerce, it's literally a connection just like at a trade show. So now, any time of the year, a buyer could reach out to a supplier through an email. More than that, it's a place to go just to keep current every day. So it's a good place to start your workday in your racing business or in your offices of your professional race team. And you know you're current when it comes to new technology, industry news, technical papers, technical videos, all of that and more. We're not looking for a million hits per day. All we want is people who are really the volume buyers of racing products in the racing industry to be part of the little world of EPAR trade. We have racing businesses participating from around the world. So you get suppliers from around the world, you get buyers from around the world. EPAR trade really eliminates having to travel, closing down your shop. Now you have a place to showcase globally your racing product and technology. Good morning from California. I am uh, Francisque Savignan, the founder and CEO of EPAR trade. It is nine o'clock. Welcome to Race Industry Now, uh, our technical and business webinar series uh, presented by ARP. This morning uh, with me is Judy Kin, the co-founder of EPAR Trade, as well as our wonderful host, Brad Gilly. Good morning, guys. How are you today? Good morning. Excellent. Excellent. So we have a, a special panel uh, today, right? Certainly do. Maglife and Fluid Logic, a great company that's come on board and excited about today. In fact, I, I do want to share that yesterday we had a great big announcement for us. We are now going to have our second annual Race Industry Week that we are co-presenting with Racer.com. So that is already set up for November 29th through December 3rd. Absolutely. So we'll be back 55 hours of live tech, live tech webinars, five days back to back. So Brad, are you ready again? Absolutely. I'm ready again. Oh my gosh, this past year's race industry week was so incredible and just so many different people being able to showcase their products and everything that we learned. I mean, it's an exciting time for the industry, especially when we get into what is traditionally off season to talk about everything that we can start looking forward to for the next season and learning about uh, some of the new technologies that are out there. Yeah, we're starting to say that it's going to be our season finale of uh, Race Industry Now. So, <laughs> you know, it's just like uh, we started those weekly webinars back in June last year. We had this big week in December and now it's every week and again in December all together. So, but let's, uh, uh, let's bring our panelists uh, um, on. I'm getting a signal from our producer, Reed Keneski. 
So I see Austin right there, as well as Jake. Good morning, guys. And we should be uh, getting uh, Dr. David Ferguson as well. And, uh, and we'll uh, let you take over, uh, Mr. Gilly. So Brad, you on for the next hour. Let's make sure David is on. Um, perfect, very good, good morning. So Brad Gilly, you in charge for the next hour. All right, thank you very much, Francisco. I really appreciate that. And I'm very excited about this particular webinar. The, uh, the title for this, Increased Hydration Patterns in Race Drivers Improves Lap Times uh, by Maglock Fluid Logic. And our panelists today, our guests are Austin Figueroa, the director of motorsport, uh, Jake Bowles, the lead engineer, and Dr. David Ferguson, assistant professor in the Department of Kinesiology for Michigan State University. And this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Dr. Ferguson is going to have a little presentation for us, and then we'll certainly talk about the system. We'll talk about the benefits. But Austin, uh, I do want to start with you. And when we start talking about hydration for drivers. I think a lot of times we look at this as a comfort system, which it certainly is. But one thing that we're going to be talking about today is how it goes well beyond that. And I know that if you talk to any team, if you talk to any crew chief, if you talk to any engineer, and you said, I have this part that can increase your lap times by up to a second over the course of the run, First, they're going to say, send me two, and then they're going to ask how much it is and all of those other things. And I don't know that people necessarily think of driver comfort as much as anything more than driver comfort, but we're here to talk about just how much that can fully benefit the race team. Austin? 100%. Yeah, we deal with a lot of teams where, you know, a lot of our elite IndyCar teams, you know, they'll spend $10,000 to pull a single ounce off the nose of the car. And, you know, we come in here with uh, something that's, you know, groundbreaking, never been around before. You know, guys are struggling with getting quarter inch camelback tubes and bite valves and drilling holes into their helmet. You know, we take all that noise away. We take all that thought away, all the monkey motion of trying to get to your hydration, find your hydration, and then be able to, you know, get your proper hydration through all technology. So it's all programmable. Uh, you know, we take all that noise away from you. And Fluid Logic really is something that's been developed by racers for racers you know we started this back six years ago um, in Baja you know the toughest conditions the toughest terrain and then it trickled up to the top you know the elites of the NASCARs and the Indy cars and, and everything in between um, yeah like you were saying you know it's been a really well received system and you know the justification for it for a $1,200 hydration system where you've got $7,000 air conditioners and $2,000 cool shirts and everything that are essentially just ancillary band-aids on top of you, you know, really getting down to your core. And, uh, you know, we'll let the doctor share a little bit about that, kind of what we found initially here um, at our study at Michigan State University. Yeah, and as we go through this, I know some folks are probably going to have some technical questions about how the system works, how it gets installed. You mentioned the helmet and all of that. And Jake, I'm sure we'll have some questions for you to talk about from an engineering standpoint. But um, uh, really appreciate having you on as a part of this as well and look forward to uh, everything that you've got to add. But realistically, Jake, just a quick overview. How simple is this system? It's really simple. Uh, it's just uh, the, the brain with the, with the pump and the electronics. Uh, you have some tubing. It's, it's interesting that we really just solved a, a few of the key critical components that are the pain points for making hydra hydration really work. And so it's the system, it's how it gets to your mouth, how it gets to your helmet, and how it comes from your uh, water containment. 
And uh, Dr. David Ferguson, I'll, I'll probably turn this over to you for a minute uh, for sure, because you did an incredible study with more than 20 drivers spanning all different forms of racing about hydration, the importance of it, and actually how it actually perf uh, uh, improves performance uh, throughout a run. So tell us a little bit about what you learned with the study. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Brad. If you don't mind, I'm just going to share my screen here. So I'm a, I'm a physiologist. I have to speak in pictures and graphs. So, all right, there we go. So thank you all very much for uh, letting me come uh, spend some time and talk to you about what we did. We did a, a really cool study. And so I guess I'll just start by saying good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. I know we have some people from the UK tuning to this one as well. I think it's pretty relevant to talk about hydration and heat stress in race car drivers. In fact, uh, I listened to a great webinar about two months ago that you guys did with this with uh, Terry Trammell and Doug Feehan along with Stan21. So I think we're having a really great conversation about some of this stuff now in terms of what it takes to really keep drivers, you, you said the term comfort, but also comfortable, safe, and fast. Um, so what I'm going to do today is I'm going to kind of talk about some of the preliminary results from the study that we did with the fluid logic system. And the reason that we're sharing these preliminary results so soon is that they're pretty powerful and we're still kind of in the middle of the hot racing season. And we would want our drivers and teams to know about this type of information. Uh, so as you said, I'm an assistant professor in the department of kinesiology. Some people may not know what that means. Uh, what kinesiology is, but think of me as a mechanical engineer for the human body. So there, I'm sure there's probably some engineers out there that look at the stresses placed on the race car and then they find ways to make that race car uh, perform better. I do the same thing, but I just look at the, the squishy part in the center of the cockpit with that being the driver. Now I've been doing this for about 15 years and you can kind of say that we've been working in the field of sports medicine. And what's kind of interesting is there's not a whole lot of research out there on human performance in sports medicine in race car drivers. So the study is pretty groundbreaking. That's one of the few controlled clinical trials out there. Uh, give you a little bit of an analogy. There are 30 papers ever written on sports medicine and race car drivers. There's about 400 published a year on football or soccer. And what we do know from the limited information out there is the elevated core body temperatures a primary stressor for race car drivers. And that's simply because they are wearing a fire protective suit, which they need to, it protects them. That really prevents the driver from cooling themselves via sweating. So when they're inside the hot cockpit, it's not uncommon for them to lose two and a half to three and a half percent of their body weight in sweat over a two hour race. Uh, put that in kind of just layman terms, that's seven pounds of sweat. Uh, so think about how you would feel if you drop seven pounds of sweat. Now, what's interesting, the American College of Sports Medicine has kind of set the threshold at a 1% loss in body weight of sweat will impair your performance. When you start going up to 2%, you're really increasing your risk of heat injury. So this thermal strain can only impair your performance and making you make the correct decision, but also can impair your safety. Now, uh, Austin, uh, give a shout out to a variety of countermeasures out there, whether it be the cool shoots, the fans, uh, all that stuff. But really the most effective strategy to keep you uh, performing and safe and prevent heat injury is to replace the fluid that you're sweating out. Now, having drivers 
drink in a race car is not an uncommon thing. It's, it's been around for quite a while. Uh, there's a couple different systems out there. You have uh, kind of like on the bottom left picture there, you've got uh, the traditional big water bottle with a long straw you have to fit into your helmet. Um, some systems are powered where they can press a button and deliver water. Majority are, uh, I guess, uh, suction based where the driver has to bite on a valve and suck fluid in there. The problem is there's a lot going on inside a race car and that might be kind of a redundant statement to make to this audience, but the driver's doing quite a lot and manipulating a straw to their helmet in order to consume water is a difficult task. And what really kind of got me interested in Fluid Logic and Maglock a couple of years ago was when I saw this design at uh, Laguna Seca. And you'll see uh, Austin go through a demo of this, but you get a little rough picture of it on the bottom right there. Basically, there's a nozzle that attaches to the, the microphone inside the helmet. And that nozzle is positioned to um, pump water into the driver's mouth at a button click. Now, what's really great about this button is that it mounts on the steering wheel and it will flash a bright light when it's time to drink. And so it's prompting the driver to drink. And when they do need a drink, it's hands-free. They can press the button, they get the right amount of water at the right time. So I was really interested in this. I thought, oh my gosh, this could really address some of the uh, thermal strain issues that we're seeing in racing. So we did this study. Uh, it's kind of the first clinical trial in motorsports, which is really cool. Uh, we had 20 drivers uh, from NASCAR, IndyCar, IMSA, and Formula E. You can kind of see the breakdown. Uh, majority came from IMSA and IndyCar. And we brought them into our lab at Michigan State University. And one of the unique things we did about this is we did this on a racing simulator. Um, you know, you can go and do this in the actual race car, but getting really controlled data in a race car is really difficult. Uh, anyone that's been inside a race car knows how uncontrolled it is. So doing a, a race simulator uh, really helps us kind of counteract that. Uh, ours is a pretty robust uh, high-end one. And just because we're kind of crazy physiologists, we put our race simulator inside an environmental chamber. And all that means is that we can control the temperature, the humidity inside the room, along with all the aspects of the car setup. So what we did, was we put the simulator in our environmental chamber. We cranked the room up to 100 degrees Fahrenheit and about 80% humidity. So it was a little uncomfortable. We then had uh, all of the drivers drive on Road America. We picked that track for a reason because it's got two very long straightaways. So uh, if drivers were not using the fluid logic system, they could still have time to try and find that straw and put it in their mouth to drink a little bit. And we had them drive a, GT3 race car, I can go into more details later in the question about why we picked that and what we did there. So, you know, there are some limitations to a simulator. It doesn't induce the G loads that the body experiences. So we mimicked those G loads by having the driver do a 30 minute fatiguing cycling protocol. They then, that raised their core body temperature. We then had them don their full race gear and they went and they drove on our simulator in this hot environment for one hour. Uh, then the next day they came back and they did the same thing again, just with a different drink system. So all drivers had the fluid logic system and then they just had a traditional water bottle with a straw, kind of the, the big bladder with a straw that kind of went around the helmet. And what's really nice about our setup was we were able to measure a variety of physiological markers as well as car performance variables. And we've got some pretty high-end artificial intelligence statistical software to really analyze this to figure out uh, some meaningful information from this. And we can go into more later, but I'll kind of give you the, 
the overview of that. So we're gonna start with uh, the two graphs we have here and just kind of orient you. Um, everything in orange is gonna be our water bottle. Remember that's our bladder with the long straw and things in blue are gonna be the, the fluid logic system. We're gonna start by looking at the graph on the right and that simply shows the drinking pattern the drivers use with each system. Uh, so with the fluid logic system, you can see the driver gets on the simulator, they take a couple drinks, but they are pretty consistent throughout the driving session with the fluid logic system as it's intended to be. The button flashes, the driver presses the button, they get the set amount of fluid and they continue throughout the driving system. The water bottle was a little different. The driver would get on the simulator, grab the, the hose, stick in the mouth and drink quite a lot of water and then throw the hose away. Then around lap 16 and 17, the drivers would grab the hose again and try and consume water again. Now, in terms of how that affected physiology, if we take a look over on the graph on the left, we see that the fluid logic system was able to bring the core temperature down at a faster rate and kind of stayed a little bit lower than the water bottle system. Now, that's really important uh, because you might've heard that when you feel the need to drink, it's actually a little bit too late, you're a little dehydrated. Now, let's talk a little bit about what happens in terms of driving performance. If you look at the lap times on the graph on the left, you see that really for the first 15 laps, there's really no difference between the two systems. It's pretty consistent. Uh, all of these individuals were professional. They can put in consistent laps. That's their daily job. They know what they're doing. However, around lap 18, when the drivers had the water bottle, uh, their lap times became highly variable. Now, this is also correlates to when they were grabbing that water bottle again. Truth is the drivers were becoming dehydrated. They were having performance loss occur and that really induced quite a lot of variability into their lap times. And if we just look at the average lap time for the last four laps, which is the graph, graph on the right, you see that when the drivers are using the water bottle, they're roughly one second slower than with the fluid logic system. Uh, you know, to this audience, I don't have to uh, explain what one second in racing equals to, uh, but I will throw out a, a random statistic that I heard uh, four or five years ago now. I'm gonna say it's true, I've heard it a couple of times, but I once heard that uh, IndyCar teams would spend $100,000 to gain a 10th of a second. And I'll let you guys do the math about what one second is worth in terms of cost. And we'll let Austin throw the quote out for the fluid logic system again after this. So you might be asking yourself, these are professional athletes. They know what they're doing. Why is there such variability in what's going on here? And the truth is that we started to notice when drivers had the water bottle, they started to have an increased incidence of driving errors. Um, this could be anything of the car sliding off track, uh, dropping a wheel in a corner, uh, imprecise braking result. And that's, you know, it's very, very minor things uh, that the drivers were doing that were leading to a big effect in terms of impairment in lap time. And so what I'm going to do now is, and I know we got a, a fairly technical group, so I'm going to show some fairly technical stuff. Uh, again, I'm going to apologize for being a physiologist and throwing a lot of graphs and a lot of information out here. What we are looking at here is a MoTeC uh, data tracing from uh, example driver in our study. 
this is just a, an example, but this is a consistent observation that we saw throughout the study. Our statistical package picked this out and said this was highly significant. This is what was going on. So what we see, um, first things to point out is that the red lines are drivers using the fluid logic system. The white lines are when they're using the water bottle. I'm gonna draw your attention to the uh, yellow vertical bar on the, the kind of the right third of the graph. That is right before Canada Corner at Road America. So a very famous corner at Road America. If you've been to Road America, you know that corner pretty well. And what you're gonna notice is the brake tracings right there. Now, so the first thing I have to say is I'm not an engineer and I'm not a driver and I should never talk about how to drive a race car, but I'm gonna do my best to kind of give you a little analogy here. What's supposed to happen is when you're going to that corner, there should be a sharp increase in brake pressure, which we see with the red line, a sharp increase to brake pressure. And then there's a modulation of the brake pressure. So you're slowly releasing it, getting the car to rotate so that it will turn the corner. And that's pretty efficient braking. What happens with the water bottle is the ability to modulate is gone. And as we saw this really consistency at the end of all the driving stints when drivers are using the water bottle, the ability to modulate uh, brake pressure goes away. Well, what does that do to car performance? Uh, that causes the car to under understeer. It will actually start to slide and skid off and that's where you get your loss of lap time. So, you know, just kind of a, a clarification is the fluid logic system will not give you an extra second. It will prevent a second of fatigue that induces throughout what you're experiencing. So just kind of some simple conclusions. Now, some of this might be a little, oh yeah, that makes total sense, but I remind you, no one's documented or looked at this yet. So we know that um, drivers, will not drink in the race car unless they're prompted. That's kind of one of the things we observed. They know they need to drink, but in the, the heat of the battle and the heat of racing, they're not consuming water at the right amount of time. And in fact, when they remember to do it, it's, it's often too late. And what happens is that dehydration uh, interferes with the skeletal muscles ability to have precise contraction. And that's what elicits the inability to modulate brake pressure. If you have an inability to modulate brake pressure, you're gonna have understeer, the car's gonna skid, and that's what's gonna to lead to a variety of errors that will elicit one second slower lap times, which can be mitigated with the fluid logic system. So with that, I will stop sharing and uh, stop talking like a physiologist. And I'll uh, let Austin and Jake take over and tell you a little bit about how the system works, how it's oriented. And uh, yeah, thanks again for having me on, and I really appreciate your time. Well, thank you, Dr. Ferguson. We really appreciate that. I do want to ask you one quick question because what popped up in the chat uh, as it relates to what you were just talking about. And in that example that you showed of the braking in Canada Corner, what, what lap was that data from? That was from lap 21, if I recall correctly. So okay. it was at the end of the stint. Okay, so it's at the end of the stint. Okay, and then uh, we'll get to some more questions in the chat, certainly as we go on for sure. But I do want to turn it over uh, back to Austin and Jake to sort of talk about, uh, you know, what the system is um, as far as some of the more technical questions that people might have. Obviously, Dr. Ferguson just told us about how it really helps the driver itself and the body. Now, if I'm a crew chief, if I'm a mechanic, if I'm a racer, 
I want to know how is this going to impact me and what I'm doing with the race car every week. So Austin, um, I'll turn it over to you. If you would just kind of give us a quick overview of the system and, and what you and Jake might have to offer. 100%. Yeah. So just, you know, in a nutshell, the fluid logic system is a completely hassle-free, thought-free hydration system. Um, of course, backed by science now by the doctor. And then so kind of taking it over to the system over here in our case right here. So these are all the necessary hard components to allow you to be able to not only hydrate anytime you're in the vehicle, you know, at 200 miles an hour, as well as taking the thought out of it and then allowing that proper hydration, systematic hydration to, you know, lower your heart rate and make you a better athlete in the long run. So starting at the uh, helmet connection, you guys are probably familiar with the maglock. You've probably seen that around. That was our first product we brought out. That's that magnetic hose coupler that allows you to quickly connect to your air hose magnetically as well as break away quickly um, in the event of emergency extraction. And then starting with that same component here, uh, you notice the maglock coaxial indicated by the two orange fluid logic bands. When I actually break this guy here in half, we actually have air running around the perimeter here. And then we actually have water running on the interior. So if I hit the button briefly, you'll see that we've now got water coming out of our air hose. All connects in, everything's a universal, easy install onto your existing system. So this is the existing blower hose that's in the helmet. Same inch and a quarter Parker bumper hose has been used for the last 30 years. Everything cuts to length, quick connect connections in here. There's also a check valve inside this hose side, threads right onto the existing air hose and then connects right into your helmet. And then on your helmet, when we come down into the helmet, we actually utilize a four millimeter, super small, super flexible, lightweight hose. This actually runs inside the existing air channels of the helmet. So you've probably seen on TV, some in-car videos of guys where they would drill a large hole in the chin bar of their helmet. They might rip the screen out of here go in through an air vent with a quarter inch camelback tube down into the helmet, you know, try to get that close to the driver's mouth. That never works, leaks on the microphone. We've heard a ton of issues that come from using those bite valves within the helmet. You know, there's not a lot of room in front of a driver's helmet, especially with radios and things like that inside and trying to get a drink tube into that usually causes a ton of issues. The way we get around all those issues using our formula line, we run in through the existing cheek padding just down to the chin bar and then on the driver's microphone, we heard a little bit from the from the doctor and you saw it in that picture on the slide we put what's called the aquacom so you can see that little orange piece in there and what that aquacom is it's a food grade soft silicone piece it slides right over your mic just like a cell phone case would go on your cell phone and now your water nozzle is delivered right directly in front of your lips and then again there's not only a check valve inside this hose side so we've got a hydraulic lock all the way back down the system but also in your helmet when you disconnect there's a check valve in this aquacom so it's a complete hydraulic lock with inside your helmet, never leaks, never dribbles out, never gets any air in the system. And then when you change drivers and get back in the vehicle, your hydration is right exactly where you just left off. And then back downstream, hopefully you can see it over here and come over through the air hose. This is our, uh, we'll go into a little more technical detail because we have a lot of technical minds here on this webinar. So this is where we actually inject our water line into the air hose, so it then runs coaxially up to the helmet. We then come out of the system using a dairy grade quarter inch tubing. So this is an insulated tubing, try to keep the water as cool as possible when inside the vehicle, all the way down to our fluid logic pod. And this is really the heartbeat and the brains of the whole fluid logic system. So inside here 
is our high pressure pump builds about 35 PSI of fluid pressure. That's what allows us to run not only our dual check valves, but also the super small water line that's able to run through the helmet. And then it's all controlled by our circuit board. And what's unique about our circuit board is it's also completely programmable via the Fluid Logic app. So I can actually pull up here on my smart device. I can adjust everything from the dose of water that's delivered for every button press in milliliters to my lips. I can adjust the reminder feature. So how often I'm actually reminded. And I'll talk about how we actually remind that individual, that athlete, when it's time for them to drink. So again, we take that thought process away from it as well as the pressure of the water that's delivered, as well as the brightness of that reminder. So the way we remind that athlete directly from their steering wheel, we mount our micro button. And you'll notice on here, our micro button also has an integrated LED built into it. This is programmed to illuminate purely off the driver's preference. Right now I've got it on 30 seconds for demo mode. Typically our athletes will set this to a minute and a half to two minutes. This will illuminate bright, remind the athlete it's time for him to hydrate. He clicks and he gets his dose delivered and the reminder feature will go away. That's our coaxial system for the force air hose users. If you do not use an air hose, like our open wheel guys or our IndyCar guys, we absolutely have a solution for that as well. And that's called our Flush 360 connection. So this piece right here, again, no modification to the helmet by any way sticks to the chin bar using a 3M VHB, no drilling, no modifying. The same four millimeter water line ducks right underneath the chin bar there and then goes straight into the Aquacom. And then the connection is the same magnetic connection, shrunk down, turn 90 degrees, goes 360 degrees around the helmet, connects quickly. And of course, an emergency extract driver has to get out. He simply gets out and this breaks away. So that's our flush 360 connection for those that do not use an air hose as well as our coaxial connection for those that do use the air system. One additional thing to add, this was our most requested accessory for the system. So currently the fluid logic system taps into any existing reservoir that is in the vehicle. We came out with a high tech reservoir essentially that keeps your water ice cold for 12 hours, the entire duration of your event. Stainless steel, double wall vacuum installation, copper dipped internally, keeps your water ice cold for the duration of your event, securely mounts to a roll bar in your vehicle, and then of course has a quick release mount so you can change it out on a pit stop. And we not only have a 20 ounce, we also have a 32 ounce size, and then we also have a 64 ounce size, just again, depending on the length of your stint and the length of your event as well. And then of course, externally, everything's dairy grade insulated tubing from the reservoir up through the pod, trying to keep everything as insulated and cold as long as possible, uh, all the way down to inside the helmet. You run an air conditioning system with your air system, of course, will keep your water slightly chilled as well, trying to mitigate that thermal transfer and keep your water as cool as possible all the way down to your lips. That's impressive. Um, very impressive. In fact, even some of the comments from the chat uh, from the technical side of this, um, you know, one of the first questions we get, which I think was even expected, how much does it weigh? You know, now we start to, you know, people are going to wonder about, we see the benefits. Now, what are some of the penalties to the race car weight being one of them amp draw different things like that? Yeah, of course. So that is the, that is the number one thing is how much does it weigh? Um, your mileage will vary. Uh, the pod, Austin, do you, have you weighed the pod? 
you remember how we're talking in the, the realm of, I think about five to 700 grams, depending on if you choose to spec the coaxial system with the additional connections or if you use the flush 360, um, you're looking at, you know, a negligible amount, you know, 500 to 800 grams you're adding to the vehicle weight. Really one of the, the bigger things, and I'll let Jake talk more on this, um, is we're increasing not only the, you know, the athlete's performance, but also the efficiency of the use of the water. And we can also predict that, right? So if we're setting every couple of minutes, he's gonna click that button and get five milliliters delivered, extrapolate that over a four hour event, you know exactly how much water he's gonna need for that event. And then again, you're not carrying, you know, two to three pounds of dead weight on the vehicle for the end of the event. Yeah, that's a really important point that is often uh, overlooked or not even, even really considered is that if you, if you do program the water, you know exactly how much you're gonna use. Um, as opposed to just having a bladder that you're sucking from or a cup that you're sucking from. Um, and as, as Dr. Ferguson pointed out, what will happen is you'll drink at the beginning and then you won't drink. And then you'll say, oh yeah, I need to drink again. And you'll start this kind of like chugging cycle and you'll end up drinking a lot more water less efficiently. Um, and you'll be like more poorly hydrated even though you've drunk all this water and been carrying it around the whole race. So uh, with our system, you can dial in exactly how much water you're going to need for the event and then consume it the right way. So you actually carry less water. So yeah, I mean, we have a, you know, 500 to in the very worst case, eight, eight or 900 uh, gram penalty, but uh, you get to take some water out um, as a result of carrying that around. And when we talk about that weight though, are we talking about the total weight of the system or if you measured it in net weight? Because if you're adding the fluid logic system, then you're taking away whatever you're using now. That's true. Right. Of course. So, you know, if you already have a hydration system in your car, our system is not that much heavier. Uh, it's, you know, you already in your car, you're going to have a pump, you're going to have all the lines. Um, like I kind of said at the beginning, we changed a few very important things that make this the system we always talk about as a system because we changed a few key things that make that really change everything about how it works. The Aquacom is really important. It brings it right to your mouth and holds the water right next to your mouth, both physically and it doesn't let the water drain back. So it's right there all the time, as opposed to something you have to kind of like reach out for and bite or something you have to bring up to your mouth. So we've taken that friction out and that thought out. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to do it. It's like right here all the time. We've taken out the friction related to finding your water hose. Um, with the, with the maglock system, when you hop in the car or hop out, it just either connects or, or disconnects. And with the magnets, it, it finds really quickly, just kind of right here and it goes click, or right up here and it will click. Um, with the uh, forced air system, we also have a dock, which you can mount into the car. So you click it off your helmet and it goes right in the dock. You know where it is every time. So you hop in, grab it, click in. So we've taken the friction away from finding uh, the system and we've taken the friction away from rem reminding to drink. I mean, we all watch racing. I mean, how many times do they do they come on the radio and say, oh, remember to drink, remember to drink, remember to drink. You're not drinking. Um, and so we've taken all that friction out. So now your crew chief doesn't have to keep bothering you to, to drink. That's that's off their plate, that's off your plate. Um, so so like I said, it's it, it weighs up similar to what you're already gonna be doing, um, but it, it solves a couple of these key problems that as a whole, like totally changes your hydration. Uh, there's a question in the chat and I want to expand on it. Um, 
for both you, Austin and Jake, but also um, for Dr. Ferguson as well. Uh, but the question in the chat is, have you used anything but water in the system? And maybe some people have different types of electrolytes that they like to use. Maybe it's even a powder that dissolves in the water. Is there anything from a, a mechanical standpoint in the system that would prevent one from doing that? Yeah, the system is completely universal as far as whatever fluids you like to run in it. So we've seen a lot of our athletes use Scratch Labs or Cytomax or Body Armor. Um, exact same cleaning procedures, you know, as a Camelback system, just want to make sure you flush that out. Any sugary substances, flush that out with clean water at the end of it. You know, they have sterilizing tablets that clean all the system on their own. Same procedures as that for the fluid logic system. Um, and that is a very important uh, additive. It is very important to have additives in the system. And I think the doctors uh, talked to us a little bit on that as well, how important those are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, anytime that you are having that much sweat loss in that hot of an environment, you do need to replenish electrolytes. And the one thing that kind of is missed a little bit is from like a, a gut physiology perspective and that in order to appropriately absorb those electrolytes, you need a little bit of glucose in that system. So, you know, I Austin mentioned some systems and I, I think Jim who asked that question, he's got his hands on a pretty good supplement that combines the right number of electrolytes and glucose that you actually absorb it. And that's kind of the, the next step in this study. If we were to do another one is, could you look at optimizing the solution makeup with electrolytes and glucose? Um, I heard rumors that some drivers incorporate a little bit of caffeine in their system for like a, at the end of a stint in a big 24 hour race. That sounds pretty cool to me. <laughs> I like that. Uh, I, I'm going to go with a couple of, uh, from the chat here as well. I do want to ask on a technical side, uh, and Jake, maybe this is better for you. Uh, we start to talk about how many amps the system draws. And anytime you're hooking up anything electrical to a race car, certainly, uh, you know, an engineer or someone who's worried about the power that's going to be delivered to that race car is going to wonder about the amps. So number one, how many amps does it draw? But number two, does it draw amps at any other time other than when you're pressing that button? Meaning if you train your driver to press the button when they're off throttle, then would it feasibly not have any impact in that way? Yeah, that's a really good question. So the, the quick answer is it draws between three and six amps depend, when you're drinking, depending what you set the, the pressure level to. So on low pressure, it draws about three. At high pressure, it draws about six. On medium, it's in the middle, it's about four and a half. Um, the system does need to be powered all the time for the reminder. And when, it's, when you're off the button, it only draws maybe 40 milliamps. It's, it's basically negligible. It's basically the amount for the light itself because the, the circuit board underneath is extremely low power. In fact, we have another application for this where it's a battery powered device. And so when you're not drinking, the power is almost negligible. When you are drinking, depending on the, uh, the force level you have and depending on all your lengths of tubing and things like that, because um, they have a small effect, um, it's you know between three and six amps at, of course, 12 volts, if you have a 12 volt system. Gotcha, okay. Um, here, a, a question for the panel. I'm putting together a Dakar team for 2023. Uh, what negative lessons learned were derived from Baja? Uh, impressive and thanks. Yeah, definitely. We, we learned a tremendous amount. I mean, back in the early days, we had a lot of 3D printed components. We were literally assembling components on the way down south and literally in our hotel room, we were, we were testing and finalizing everything. It's just, uh, you know, the terrains, the temperatures, the G-forces, the dust, the dirt, the silt, I mean, stuff gets everywhere. So really what we learned early on is that everything not only has to be completely waterproof, but also super durable and super resilient to just the grit and the terrain down in Baja. So for example, like with our 
magnetic connections are coaxial connections. If you can actually take that connection, if you cut a hole in two business cards and put them together, you can actually still connect the uh, coaxial maglocks together and get a good water seal with actually two business cards between these two. So we learned that early on, you know, just everything has to be simple to use everything. You know, you're, you're with a helmet on, you've got gloves on, you can't be finicky getting a CPC connector. You know, you can't be screwing a water line together. You can't be fishing something through your helmet. It just has to be really simple to use, easy to use, you know, in and out, just, it's gotta be redundant and just durable. So we really learned a lot of that in Baja and struggled with a lot of that, a lot of broken parts, a lot of grit getting into everything and dust getting into everything. So just really keeping out the elements was, was the biggest thing that we learned and making it easy and just simple to use. Cause I mean, nothing ever goes to plan, you know, someone gets upside down or you're changing on a pit stop and the guy forgets to disconnect his water line or disconnect his cool suit or always forgets to disconnect their air hose. Now they've ripped the barb out of the helmet or they ripped the hose out of the car. I mean, we've all seen that happen, you know, from, from NASCAR to the off-road guys. So just taking all that away and making the system as robust as possible is really what we learned down in Baja. Yeah, I want to add to that a little bit. Um, when Austin says keeping the elements out, on this, on this part, the magnetic connector, there's actually an O-ring on the face seal here. So when that comes up and makes the connection on the helmet, it is going to keep all that cockpit dust and silt and everything out of the air path. Um, the, other, the other couple of things that were really interesting about Baja especially is um, you're just, you're being bashed constantly. And we, we really had to dial in the magnetic force uh, between these two pieces so that as you're being like whipped around and your hose is whipping around, this doesn't actually like fall off. Um, on that point as well, actually, we use an especially lightweight hose. Of course, racers want everything to be lightweight, but that's especially important uh, for your off-road environments. When it is moving around, you don't have that mass come and like rock this and pull this apart. That's fascinating. Uh, I, I know sometimes we start to talk about what sanctioning bodies allow and don't allow. And, you know, you, you pull out a cell phone and a NASCAR is like, no way, you can't have that in the car. Obviously, you're doing things before they get into the race car. But there are certain series that do have monitoring, you know, from the pit stand and different things and different systems in the race car. Is it possible to monitor this system? If I'm a crew chief and I want to know exactly what my driver is doing and, and how often they're using it, is it possible to monitor that from the pit stand? So not currently. So currently the fluid logic system is set through the app. It's all passive, right? Whatever you adjust your parameter to, that's stored within the fluid logic pod. You no longer need the system or the device, the smart device to go along with that system. In the future, and what's being worked on and developed currently in the background of the app as well is working with your biometrics. So as caloric burn goes up, heart rate goes up, skin temp, core temp, whatever parameters that we can pull from the athlete that will be tied into the fluid logic system to make a real-time adjustment. So for example, on our off-road guys, you know, if you're cruising, all of a sudden you get a flat tire, you know, get out and change that flat tire for 10 minutes and it's 100 degrees. Now you get back in the car and your heart rate's above 170 and, you know, you're turning red and you sweat a ton of water out. Instead of giving you that hydration every two and a half or three minutes, we're going to give it to you every 60 seconds for the next, you know, 15 minutes until we get your heart rate back down and then goes back down to that default schedule. So there's definitely a lot of uh, tech coming in the future. You know, this is just the first system. Um, there's a lot more exciting stuff coming out soon, too. Yeah, that sounds fascinating. I'm going to jump around on some of the chat questions because I do want to go to Dr. Ferguson. Um, any tips on how you calculate how much water you might need to maximize the performance of a driver? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, we can tag Tim at Austin. It's all good. Uh, <laughs> sure, go ahead. You know, 
there, there's a, a variety of things to do it based on the resources and the, the financial aspects you have, right? So on the super high end, you know, we can drag you into my lab, we can measure your sweat composition, we can measure sweat rate, core temp, all this fun stuff, which it, you'll know exactly what it needs to be. Uh, that, that's a bit involved. Uh, some other simple things are, you know, you basically need 10 milliliters of water per kilogram of body loss, right? So just get in the habit of weighing your drivers. Everyone's going to be slightly different. So it's not a one size fit all. That's what Austin kind of was getting to about the need to do the biometric stuff. But if you got a set group of drivers that are your drivers, you start weighing them, you can get a pretty good idea. And then the, the simplest, the one that's actually been around the longest is just looking at the color of your urine, right? So you want it to be clear to pale yellow, that means you're hydrated. Austin, do you wanna add anything to that? No, that's a, that's a great lead into talking about some of our drivers. I think we actually have a video from one of our drivers. I think it'd be a good time to, to cue that up now. Hey everyone, it's Ricky Stenhouse Jr. here, driver of the number 47 Kroger. JTG Camaro and the Cup Series. Um, man, I've been using Fluid Logic for over a year now um, in my Cup car. And there's a lot of, I feel like, performance advantages of it. Um, for me, I work out a lot throughout the week. Uh, when I race Sundays and, and have long races, uh, I'm refreshed, recharged, and, and ready to go on Monday mornings for workout. And um, that started happening after I started using Fluid Logic, staying hydrated throughout the race and making sure that, uh, you know, when the race was over, I was still, you know, performing at my best and, and no dehydration issues um, and things like that. So uh, this past weekend at Watkins Glen, had to turn my air condition off for the last 45, 50 laps and uh, had some alternator issues. But, you know, being able to still drink my drink system. Uh, throughout the rest of that race, got out feeling really good and, and ready to go. Had my workout this Monday morning, uh, no issues. So uh, I believe in Fluid Logic. I believe, uh, you know, the system works really well. Definitely glad to have them in my corner and, and in my race car. How about some other drivers out there? I mean, you know, having a testimonial from Stenhouse is a, a great one for sure. But, you know, spanning different racing series and all of that, who's using the system? Yeah, we've got a great range of athletes. So the entire uh, Andretti Autosport team all uses Fluid Logic. We've also got Jimmy Johnson. We're working on uh, him with the Ganassi guys, integrating that into his IndyCar with our latest uh, pod system, as well as we've got the Wellen uh, DPI cars using our system. We've got a tremendous amount of guys in off-road racing. You know, we've even got some Dakar teams, I believe. Um, we've also got some, I've seen some, uh, some guys down in Australia and the VX Supercars using our systems as well. Uh, I mean, the list, the list goes on and on. So we've, we've really heard that story, you know, from Ricky uh, talking about, you know, not only using the system and, and using it as an event, you know, great, you know, I can, I can drink hands-free, I feel better, you know, I feel like I can perform better in the event. But then that Monday, you know, that story that I've heard so many times from so many of our athletes that have used our system, how it kind of became commonplace, you know, Monday was hangover day, right? You know, that was the day where I was just trying to rehydrate and maybe try to get back to the gym, you know, time's limited because I got to get back to the track on Wednesday, Thursday. And we've really, we've really gotten a lot of ambassadors in these elite teams just from their testimonials and their experiences post-race, right? So just post-race Monday, you know, not having that, that typical hangover that they described it as uh, really opened up their eyes to the fluid logic system and how severely dehydrated they didn't realize they were, you know, running their 500 mile event on Sunday.
Yeah, we hear that with that that story we hear over and over again. It's that Monday, it's that Monday morning story. We put it, we put the system in the team Honda trucks in the Baja 500, and the next day, they said the the light bulb goes off every time every Monday morning. They say, "Oh my goodness, like I have I have to have this in all my vehicles. Like when can we get another system? Like it has to be in the car now." Wow. Dr. Ferguson, and you alluded to this a little bit earlier, but if you would, you know, maybe expand upon the importance of, especially with this system and you're getting delivered, you know, cold fluids to you, you're not getting like a water bottle or a Camelback or something like that. That's warming up with the race car, but actually being able to cool yourself from within, as opposed to what's on the surface of your body and some of those systems. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the, temperature threat that's in the race car is it's the core temperature threat which is that internal temperature that you have and the truth is and this statement has been around since god was a baby and that that temperature should not really fluctuate much right really just one degree c is really all it should fluctuate um your skin temperature is going to could fluctuate 10 15 degrees c depending on where you're in um it's not uncommon for me before the fluid logic system is I would see core temperatures go up to 40 degrees C, which uh, is alarming. By the way, that's when we put people in the hospital. And that was happening pretty consistently uh, in race cars. Uh, But the ability to actually consume that fluid, so get the fluid in, is a game changer. Remember, most of your body is water anyway. And it needs to maintain that in order to, you know, have your heart beat efficiently and for your brain to work effectively. Those are two things that you do not want compromised uh, in a race car at 200 miles an hour. So getting that water in there and like kind of the other question, water, electrolytes, glucose, just getting that in there to be able to lower your core body temperature uh, really is kind of a game changer in terms of performance, but also just in terms of health. And that, you know, kind of refers back to what uh, Austin and Jake were saying of it is a hangover. The reason why you feel so bad on Monday is because you're that dehydrated. That is just like a hangover. So yeah, no. So being able to, you know, we talked about the cool shirt systems. We've talked about other AC systems that work on the periphery. The truth is that doesn't really penetrate into the core, right? That's why we're able to survive where I am in, in Michigan in the winter. It's freezing. Like it doesn't penetrate the way you can get fluid into your core system. So absolutely. And one thing that's interesting about this system is the reminder button. And you would think that you wouldn't have to remind people to do that. But um, I stood in victory lane with Jimmy Johnson at Texas when he got out of his car and dropped to his feet. Same thing with Casey Kane at Indianapolis Motor Speedway just a few years ago. And it seems like one of the things that we start to find out when we see the drivers literally fall out of the race car Mm -hmm. at the end of the race is they weren't doing this. They weren't reminding themselves to take that drink of water. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I've got a couple, uh, you know, memories in my mind of the same thing, you know, where I've had to pull a driver out over the pit wall during a driver change at a sports car race. And, you know, he thought he said to me, I'd like a bottle of water. What I heard was, and then, you know, I'm dragging him through the pit basically. And, you know, some of the data that we've seen is that drivers actually think they are drinking. And that gets to be the alarming part. Yes, they do forget. Yes, they get in the heat of battle, not drinking. But there's a large majority that think they are drinking the right amount. And the truth is, they're actually not. So, you know, one sip every 10 laps is probably not enough, but some drivers think it is. And so having that visual reminder 
is really important. It's just like if the spotter tells them, you know, hey, get a car on the outside or anything on the dash that tells them about how their car's performing. It's that same thing. If you asked a driver during a race, so um, what was your oil temperature? And they don't have a gauge. They're not gonna be able to tell you. It's, this, it's the same thing. It's integrating the physiology with the car data system. Uh, here's one question from the chat that, that you know people don't want to think about, but it's a legit question. Um, how is it protected if the driver ever vomits? You know, if they get sick inside of the race car, they've got this wrapped around their microphone and all of that. So I don't know if this is a better Austin Jake question or, <laughs> or what you can tell us. <laughs> That's funny. Fortunately, I haven't had any of our athletes vomit uh, utilizing our system. Um, I can imagine that, you know, taking smaller inputs of your fluid versus gulping and chugging your water probably helps settle the stomach a little bit better. Um, everything in our system is food grade and one-way check valves. So you can blow as hard as you want. You're not going to get anything back down the line. Uh, of course, you know, you've got your, your hose connection. So your helmet is your helmet, whatever you do in that, that's your muck up. You know, when the next guy gets in the vehicle, that's his helmet. So you'll be totally fine with that. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good to know. Uh, you know, when we start to talk about the system, you know, hey, some series, some people are racing themselves. They've got their one race car. They put it in there. Some other series, um, you know, they've got multiple race cars, um, you know, or multiple helmets for different drivers, especially with different sponsors and all of that. If I'm buying this system, you know, how much can I sort of a la carte some things or am I buying whole systems for each car? How does that work? For sure. Yeah, we have absolutely our helmet side only kits available. So it comes with the two Aquacoms, the plumbing and the coaxial maglock for the coaxial helmet side kit, as well as the Fluster 60 helmet side kit has all the helmet components to be able to set up your helmet, your spare helmet. You know, a lot of our off-road guys coming from Baja, they've got one truck with four drivers, right? So in that instance, they would purchase one complete system that'll set up one driver helmet, one vehicle side, and then they'll buy three more helmet side kits. Uh, they'll sell for $149, so a very reasonable price. And that sets up uh, the entire side on your helmet. And uh, I know we, we got back about Dr. David, he was talking about some of the responsibility that was onto the drivers and it uh, jogged some memories in my head about some of the teams when we initially brought the system out and talked with their, their engineer chiefs, uh, their interior chiefs. And, you know, we asked them, you know, well, how much fluid are you carrying in the car? And they'd say, you know, we fill the bladder. And say, okay, well, you know, how much is that bladder? You know, a liter, a couple liters, you know, they, they really didn't pay any attention to it. And I say, well, you know, what does the driver drink? How much does he drink? You know, and they say, I don't know. That's up to him. Well, what if he's dehydrated? Yeah, he's got to work out harder. So it's, it's, it's been surprising to me how neglected athlete hydration has been and how much performance you can potentially gain from it for very little expense. You know, we talked about 10 grand to pull an ounce off the nose, you know, in the case of efficiencies, you know, we're pulling three to four pounds of water weight out of the car. And really, you know, the $7,000 air conditioners or the, you know, the expensive cool shirts that are ancillary add-on band-aids, uh, you know, not cooling from the core. Um, it's, I've been shocked how many times I've heard from teams, you know, saying that hydration is purely on the driver. He's got to work out harder. He's got to figure that out on his own. So I think there's a lot of performance to be gained from it uh, and a ton of untapped potential from it as well. Yeah, which, which again goes back to the beginning when I, I, I think people just look at this as driver comfort, and it's not. This is actually performance enhancement for the entire team. Um, we, we sort of alluded to this a little bit earlier, sanctioning bodies. Um, is there anyone who disallows it, who allows it, modifications? How does that work? It's great. So we've got systems in SCORE, you know, off-road. We've got systems in NASCAR teams, IndyCar teams, uh, IMSA, you know, GT Celebration, everything in between. Um, as far as some of the questions, as far as like some of the, the international series, 
Um, we do fall within the lines, not of driver comfort, but driver cooling. So with a lot of sanctioning bodies, um, driver cooling is completely up to the individual engineers and the teams to decide on what they want to use. So what, you know, blowers or air conditioners or systems they want to use on that. Um, hydration systems fall into that as well. So we all fall within the realm of driver cooling. So it definitely, you know, check your uh, check with your sanctioning body as well and do a little bit of homework on it. Um, but with most of our teams, we fall within the realm of driver cooling and that's completely up to uh, the teams to develop. That's great. Uh, Dr. Ferguson, um, I've been at racetracks where it's been 105 degrees and dry. And I've been at racetracks where it's been 85 or 90 degrees and completely humid. And it seems like those really humid days are the ones that are like the worst on drivers. If I'm picking the size of bottle, the amount of fluid in there, when it comes to relative temperature outside, humidity, different things like that, what are some considerations I would need to think of as far as how much fluid I need to be carrying with me? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, obviously the, the worst combination is the 90-90. 90 degrees Fahrenheit, 90% humidity. That's, that's walking through a swamp right there. Um, you know, so obviously, you know, drier conditions are going to be a little bit less stressful in the driver. It's the humidity that really prevents any sweat from getting off. So, you know, if you're going to be in a, a really humid situation, you know, I can kind of think of like some Daytona and Talladega summer nights I've been to where that's been the case. I would, you know, I would give my driver more fluid and, you know, depending on kind of who they are and their hydration status would prompt them to drink more frequently as opposed to in a cooler, drier climate. Um, and I think that's, you know, the, the programmable nature that makes it necessary is, you know, this is not a one size fit all. You do have to kind of customize it for the car you're in, the race you're at, and the person you are. So whether you're young, old, all that stuff really fluctuates. Um, so that's just things to consider. But the important thing is you can program it. It's, you know, I am not a tech person. I was very nervous about doing this webinar because I didn't think I was going to get Zoom to work. I can program the drink system through the phone. So it's very easy to do. It's really easy. And, you know, Austin showed me how to do it in about seven seconds. I like it. You know, we, we've actually had some very active chat going on uh, over here on the sidebar as well, who people who are not just commenting on it, but are interested in the system as well. You know, Austin, um, for people who want to find out more, I know they can find you guys uh, through your page on the EPAR trade website. But, you know, obviously, I think we've piqued a lot of people's curiosity here today. Is there anything that you want to tell people in closing? Yeah, of course, EPAR trade is a great platform to use and uh, reach out to us as well directly. You can also check out our website is fluidlogic.com. And then of course on Instagram, fluidlogic underscore USA and Facebook as well. I want to check out more of our drivers and kind of where we're at about going out this week as well. Yeah, we've also talked about, uh, you know, some of the racing, you know, NASCAR races, three, four hours long, endurance races, uh, off-road races, full day races and all of that. But we had Ricky Stenhouse Jr. on here. He owns a sprint car team. You know, if I'm just running sprint races, uh, I might be in that car for 45 minutes, an hour at a time during a feature. Is this system for me also? 110%. That's actually uh, I, my background's in sprint cars as midgets as well. And, uh, you know, it's always a hurry up and wait. You're sitting in the car for 30 minutes to an hour in staging, waiting to go out on the track. And then you're out there on track from 30 to 45 minutes, but you're exerting yourself at 110 and 120% for the entirety of that event. You sweat. I've never sweat more than I ever had in a 410 sprint car. I mean, it's amazing how much water gets sucked out of you. So for those athletes, I actually, uh, we actually ran a prototype system uh, in my midget and in my sprint car. And you can't drink it while you're going 110% in the event, but on the yellows and when you get a chance to, 
to be able to get your water and have your hydration delivered to you, it's a huge relief. It really transforms not only the way that you, you know, race your vehicle, think about hydration and then feel about it after. The great thing about the system, you hear about air filters that add five horsepower, 10 horsepower, right? Do you really feel that? I don't. But when you're properly hydrated and you get out of your vehicle, you feel it, you notice it, and you can recognize it. So that's, that's the great thing about the system is that it delivers it to you and you also feel better at the end of your event as well. And you mentioned you also have a battery for the system as well for those types of race cars that don't. So everyone's covered. Absolutely. Well, this has been wonderful. Uh, what, a, what a great education here today. Again, it's not driver comfort, it's driver performance. And Fluid Logic, what you guys are offering, um, is a huge add to that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. What a great webinar. And uh, so this webinar has been recorded. It will be posted later on the ePortrait platform, as well as our uh, YouTube channel, as well also as our podcast. And uh, we pushed also, uh, you know, your products on the homepage of ePortrait. So right now we're on ePortrait.com and you'll see a maglock right there uh, on the homepage. Uh, please take you know use of that platform as Judy mentioned many times on those webinars. We build this for the industry with our 25 or plus years of history, you know, serving this industry. So take advantage of it. We will be back uh, next Wednesday at nine o'clock Pacific. We're going to be talking wires and ignition technology, and uh, we'll be hosting the webinar. Uh, I mean, Jeff Hammond will be hosting the webinar, and then Brad will see you in two weeks, and we'll be talking uh, with. Rutler and Toll Seal when you come back. So thank you very much, uh, guys. What a great webinar. What a great honor to uh, meet you, uh, you know, uh, uh, virtually. And uh, we hope to see you at the track. Okay. Have a great week. Thank you very much. Registering on EPAR Trade is easy. Fill out your name, email, phone number, and create a secure password. Next, select your business type. Choose supplier if you're looking to display products or services and connect with buyers. Choose racing business if you're looking to find new parts and connect with suppliers. Choose race team if you own or are a member of a professional racing team. Begin typing your company name. We most likely already have your company in our database, which you can select from the dropdown. Then, enter your job title. Choose Claim Company if you'll be editing your company profile. Other members of your company can choose Join Company if they'd like to use ePartrade as well. You can view and agree to our terms of use here. If you'd like to receive our weekly newsletter, choose Accept. Click Register Now and your registration will be submitted for approval. You'll need to confirm your email once it goes through. To keep our platform industry only, you'll be approved shortly after. If we require additional proof of business, we'll reach out. Welcome to ePartrade.